This is the preaching podcast from Keystone Church and Pastor Josh Cox. To find out more about Keystone, visit keystonerdu.church. We hope you enjoy today's message. The book of Ephesians is where we've been, and we are coming down to the close. In fact, next Sunday will be our final Sunday um, in the book of Ephesians. And so we will officially have been in Ephesians for 28 weeks. And um, I have, I'm telling you, I've really, um, I've enjoyed the study. I have enjoyed the study. We will have a buffer week before Easter. Uh, We will be uh, talking about Palm Sunday, the Sunday before Easter. Um, And then we'll have our Easter service, and then we will jump into a new series. I have not yet titled it, uh, but it is from the book of Habakkuk. How many of you have ever heard a sermon series from the book of Habakkuk? Raise your hand if you ever, oh, yes, one, two, yeah, I'm going to like this, three, there we go, we got a third. Um, But uh, looking forward to that, Um, it's just going to be a very short mini-series, but I will say this, uh, that series, I think it's going to be about three weeks long. It is going to deal with uh, doubting, skeptic, the skeptic. And so it's a perfect series to invite a friend to, uh, maybe that has some doubts or would consider themselves a skeptic. Um, this will be a great series for that. That's just to give you a kind of an idea of what's upcoming. We are in the book of Ephesians. We are in chapter 6, the final chapter of this letter that Paul has written to the churches in Ephesus. Uh, last Sunday... We began sort of this thought um, as, we, as we talked about spiritual warfare. Um, if you were not here last Sunday, I don't say this every week. If you were not here last Sunday, I do want to encourage you to listen to and or watch last Sunday's service. Um, I feel uh, like it was, uh, it was extremely important. Uh, I went a little overtime, and I apologize uh, for that. But it was extremely important for me personally, and I believe in the life of our church. Uh, we... Um, it was a special time, especially at the end, where we were able to come together in prayer um, with and for one another. But spiritual warfare is real. Spiritual warfare exists in your life, whether you want to admit it, acknowledge it, or not. We talked about it last week. Um, things aren't just going bad. No, the devil is actively working. There is a spiritual battle. Now, that doesn't mean to say that every every little thing that comes in my life, I just blanket statement, throw the blame on the devil. I'm not saying that. There are other situations and issues that come into our lives um, that, that aren't necessarily just, oh, the devil did it, the devil did it. However, we must understand that oftentimes Satan is trying to destroy He's trying to invade, he's trying to oppress, and unfortunately in my life and in your life, so oftentimes he succeeds um, at that. And he doesn't have to, by the way. He's not all-powerful. He's powerful. He's not Uh, all-powerful. He's smart, but he's not the all-wise. Okay, he's not omnipresent. Um, He doesn't have to win. This tacks on to spiritual warfare today's sermon title is this means war part two because last week we began the thought we must understand the context of where we're at in ephesians chapter six we've talked about all of the biblical theological truths that we need to hear in the first three chapters 
chapters 4, 5, and the first half of chapter 6, we've seen the practical ways that we're supposed to live as Christians. Husbands, wives, fathers, and mothers, and children, and, uh, and, and employees, employers, and, and just other things that we need to know practically how to, uh, how to effectively be an imitator of God and live like Christ and to walk worthy. In the last half of chapter 6, he says, finally, in verse 10, I, we're not going to read all this. He says, finally, my brethren. He's closing out this letter. This is kind of his closing paragraph. And what Paul is basically saying is, if you are going to live like Christ, if you are going to be the husband or the wife that God has called you to be, if you're going to be the employee or employer that God has called you to be, if you're going to be the, the, the child, the, the parent that God has called you to be, the devil is going to fight you. This is not going to be easy. And let me reiterate that. Those that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. If life is easy for you right now, then you better check yourself. If life is everything is just great and there's no issues at all in your life, then I would be concerned because evidently I don't have the devil's attention. If you are struggling today and there are things in your life uh, that, that, that has made life difficult, then I want to encourage you today that I feel like that you're seeking to be an imitator of God. And the last thing the devil wants is a bunch of Christians, imitators of Jesus, influencing his world. But that's where we are. Look at verse 13. That'll begin our text for today. It's the last verse that we talked about last Sunday. Therefore, Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints and for me, that utterance may be given to me, this is Paul speaking, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Paul is writing this, from prison. He's writing this from prison. Just the, I'm not going to hit this at the end. So, He's writing this from prison. He's, he's praying. He's asking them to pray that he would be even more bold. He got thrown in jail for being bold. And Paul says, hey, pray for me that I would continue to be bold. Uh, he says that as he is making known the mystery of the gospel. And we, we studied in chapter 2 what the mystery of the gospel was. It is that the gospel is not just for the Jews. Not just for your race. The gospel is a multi-ethnic gospel. It is for everyone. And the church ought to magnify that. And as you well know, that's a burden of mine for our church. Paul is asking for this prayer. He says that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. That in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Heavenly Father, speak through your word. Speak to us today. 
We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. By way of introduction this morning, how many of you have ever heard teaching, are you familiar with the armor of God? Raise your hand. I want some, yeah, there you go. Raise your hand if you're sure, right? Um, if, don't, if, if you didn't put on deodorant, just like raise your hand right here. If you did, go ahead and be bold. It's all good. You heard on the armor of God. We've talked about we know what the armor of God, we're at least familiar with the armor of God. And by way of introduction this morning, I want us to understand, I believe so often when we think of the armor of God, we think of ourselves as this amazing specimen. In fact, maybe just like my man, where are we at? There we are. That's what we think about. We think we are Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe. Is that it? Russell? Is that right? Yeah, that's Russell. All right, good. All right. Is it, uh, we got some fans down here. All right. Yeah. <laughs> His shirt is actually off. There's just armor over it, so that's cool. Um, but um, we think of ourselves as gladiator. And we think of ourselves like, okay, we're going to put on the armor of God, and we are ripped, and we are ready to go, and all we need is just a little bit of leather on the front, and we are good. I'll be honest with you. I've thought to myself, when I think of the armor of God, that's the way I think. Like, all right, I'm strong. We learned last week, be strong, but in the Lord. But I'm strong, and now I just need a little bit of assistance in completing this spiritual warfare mission that I've been given. And let me shoot straight with you today, and I don't mean for this to be funny, but it's going to be. This is the way we ought to view ourselves instead of gladiator. <laughs> that's my man from Little Giants. How many of you seen that movie? Man, that's a great movie. That's the man from Little Giants. That does not, I don't know if I've ever looked like that in my life. Um, all of my clothes as I was growing up ended with husky. So anyway, um, I, I never, didn't really look like that. But hey, some of, you know, that's the way we ought to think of ourselves when we're facing spiritual warfare. But how many of you understand what I'm saying? We think of ourselves as Russell Crowe and Gladiator and we just need a little help. No, no, this dude right here, he needs from the helmet. All the way down to his feet, he needs help. And can I just say to bring it back serious for application? Hey, we are not some mighty warrior that just needs God to like push us over the top. No, in spiritual warfare, as we are facing uh, the devil and all he wants to do to us, no, we are weak. We are weak in and of ourselves. And we are commanded to be strong. But we are to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. And in order to do that, we are to put on the whole armor of God. I'm leaving this open so that in the future I can come back and do a mini-series on the armor of God and take each individual piece and give it a full sermon. I'm not going to do that today. I'm going to give us kind of the 30,000 foot flyby view of each of these. Um, just for scheduling reasons and what I felt the Lord had for us. I'm not giving you today an in-depth study, but I do want us to see the elements of the armor of God. First of all, let's look at the belt of truth. The belt of truth there in verse 14, Paul says, stand therefore in the Lord, remember, strong, 
having girded your waist with truth. Truth. We speak about truth oftentimes. I often tell you as as Christians and believers in a culture that has that is is quickly shifting away from a Christian worldview that we must understand that truth is constant that truth is not relative to your perspective that truth is truth and we feel as bible believers as those who would say that 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 this is the uh, the, 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 the final say on everything we do in faith and practice. This is the final authority. We would say that truth is truth. And for all have sinned means that I have sinned and that you have sinned. And fallen short of the glory of God means that we will never enter His glory as we are as sinners. We have to understand that just because we don't like it doesn't mean it's not true. And here, Paul says that we must stand with the belt of truth. Truth. Truth is highlighted throughout Paul's letter to the church here at Ephesus. In fact, in chapter 4, we find that truth is revealed in Jesus. Truth is revealed in Jesus. Look at chapter 4 and verse 20. It's just the next couple chapters behind you. But you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard Him... And have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. How can we know the truth today? Hey, the beginning of the belt of truth is in Jesus. Finding the truth revealed in Jesus. And we'll come back to this at the end. But if you have never uh, experienced the truth in Jesus, I want to invite you today at the end of our service to believe that. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Hey, listen, we cannot put on that belt of truth unless we understand that truth is revealed in Jesus Christ and in Him alone. Not only is the truth revealed in Jesus, but kind of going hand in hand with that, in the first chapter of the book of Ephesians, in this letter, truth is revealed in the gospel. Verse 13 of chapter 1 says, In Him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth. And now it's going to tell us what that truth is. The gospel of your salvation. In whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So not only is truth revealed in a person, Jesus, truth is revealed in the good news of the gospel. That Jesus not just existed, but that he came and he lived a perfect life and he died the sinner's death and he was buried and he rose on the third day Easter. We celebrate that Resurrection Sunday. That is the gospel and that is the truth. And let me say this this morning, the gospel is and will always be the truth. Elements of the gospel that we don't like are that we in and of ourselves are hell-bound Sinners, We don't like that truth. But the real truth is that because we are sinners, God had an opportunity to show His mercy and His grace to a whole world full of sinners. And He did that through the cross. The truth is found in Jesus. It's revealed in Jesus. But it's also revealed in the gospel 
And oh, here's a practical one. We're get, those first two, they were, they were theological. Here comes a practical one. This is, here we go. Truth is thirdly revealed in biblical speech. Ouch. Chapter 4, verse 25. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you <clears throat> speak truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Truth is the foundation of our armor, and without the truth, the rest of your armor will break down. Without the truth, the rest of your armor would break down. It is as if the belt holds it all together. It's as if your belt would break and the rest of your armor would come falling off. It's as if if you don't have the foundation of truth in your life, then nothing else is going to work. And I believe that's a principle that is taught throughout, throughout Scripture. Hey, we must seek the truth, speak the truth, listen for the truth, apply the truth, even when it hurts. Even when it's not easy to, to hear. Hey, the gospel is only good news once it's been received and believed. Hey, the truth is that if we have never fully given ourselves wholly to Jesus Christ and given our heart to Him, that we're going to die and go to a place called hell. That's the truth. And the truth isn't always easy, but the truth is always right. And we must understand that the foundation of our armor is the belt of truth. And my belt... Get a little bigger. Need to, need to add, add a couple notches. Put them out a little bit more. But the belt of truth. Secondly, this morning, I want us to see the breastplate of righteousness. These will be go a little quicker. The breastplate of righteousness. Stand therefore, verse 14, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. The book of Isaiah, often throughout the book of Isaiah, we find the prequel to Jesus. We find a lot of different uh, prophecies about what's to come in Christ. And just talking to Tim earlier a couple weeks ago, how much he loves and enjoys the book of Isaiah. And chapter 59, verse 16 in the book of Isaiah, foretelling of Jesus as the Messiah, verse 16 says, he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, his own arm brought salvation for him and, he, and his own righteousness, it sustained him. For he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head and put on the garments of vengeance for clothing, was clad with zeal as a cloak. This is somewhat of an Old Testament look at the armor of God, a little bit. It's, but it's the fact that the righteousness that Paul is referring to is, this right, is not this righteousness that Christ imputed uh, to us, not necessarily. This is righteousness Paul is speaking of that we are to practically live out in our daily lives. You see, all of us have been declared righteous by Jesus, but how many of you understand not every one of us lives righteously on a Monday through Friday, Saturday basis? Hey, I've been declared righteous, but I don't live like it. I, I, I may have been, if you're like me, I may have spent some time this week struggling. Struggling. Don't feel and, and not acting very righteous. That's me. 
And this righteousness that Paul is referring to is that struggle right there. That we are to put on the breastplate of practical righteousness. This would include uh, 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 abolishing things in our life like lust and greed and and immorality and, and hateful speech and pride. If we're going to effectively fight in our spiritual war, we must be committed to righteousness. Putting on that breastplate of righteousness. We must understand the truth and then we must live it out in a righteous manner. Hey, if we fail in this breastplate area, we are opening ourselves up to a heart wound. Hey, if we don't put on this breastplate of righteousness, we are susceptible to the fiery arrows and darts that the devil will throw to us, and we are opening ourselves up to pain, to hurt. We have several people uh, here in our service and a part of our church that are former military. And that breastplate, whatever they would call it modern day, those police officers here in in Durham that go on a, a raid or whatnot and they have that bulletproof vest. Man, if I'm going to do it, give me a bulletproof vest. Right? Got my police officer on the cross, let you come preach, man. All right? Uh, bullet, bulletproof vest. That's what we need, David. I'm not going on a raid, Durham PD, without my bulletproof vest. Well, guess what? We go out into spiritual warfare and we're being attacked by the devil. And if we're not living righteously we are exposing our heart we're exposing the vital organ that keeps us alive we're exposing ourselves to the devil and his schemes and he's got a mean shot with those fiery darts he's not his hands not shaky he knows where to hit us and we must not only put on the uh, the, the belt of truth but we must Follow it with the breastplate of righteousness. As we continue our armor, remember this is fighting our spiritual warfare. This is, God, put your armor on me because I'm the little dude from the little giants. I am not Russell Crowe in Gladiator. I am this little dude right here and I need this. I need your belt of truth. I need your breastplate of righteousness. But thirdly, I need the feet of the gospel. The feet of the gospel. And I, I want us to understand, verse 15, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Without taking a deep dive into all the symbolism that this could mean, let me just say this. If we are going to be a follower of Jesus that seeks to win the spiritual fight, the spiritual battle, we must be a follower of Jesus who is ready, willing, and prepared to share the gospel with other people. In a nutshell, now there are many elements to this that we could talk about, but in a nutshell, we must be ready, willing, and prepared to share the gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ. In fact, I love this. I believe... Even though we'll find here in 1 Peter chapter 3, which is where we're going to go here in just a second, we will find here that this should also be a defense uh, mechanism to give a defense. But also, I believe this feat shod with the preparation of the gospel is an offensive statement. This is a, this is a statement of, listen, we're bringing the battle 
to the front lines. Hey, this means this is spiritual warfare, and I'm bringing the battle of me sharing the gospel with someone to the front lines. Hey, I'm taking my faith and the sharing of that faith, and I'm putting it on the offensive. Our feet are shod, ready, prepared to share the gospel. How beautiful are the feet of those who proclaim the gospel. I must not be doing it because my feet are not beautiful. Let me just, just be straight up with you. I got the world's ugliest feet, and I will never show them to you. I promise. My wife, she probably just amened right there. They ugly. They're ugly. Just telling you. That's like, my, that's like my least favorite verse in the Bible. How beautiful are the feet of them? And I'm like, nah. Nope, not me. But uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, though, does tell us this. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You know what that says? Yeah, we should be on the offensive with our feet prepared to tell people about Jesus. But we also, when we're at work and that person says, hey, what is it about you? Hey, how have you just gone through that, that tragic time in your life? And how are you still standing? We ought to be ready. Hey, we ought to be ready to say, I'm so glad you asked. Let me tell you how I'm still standing. And it has nothing to do with me. It's being strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Let me tell you about Jesus. What an opportunity we have. Those of us and those of you that have gone through uh, difficult times this year, and there are, there are physical difficulties that are represented in this room. There are emotional difficulties that are represented in this room. But we have an opportunity to give, an, a, give a defense to everyone who asks us about it. We should be confident and prepared to defend our faith and share our faith with others. It's part of our armor. It's part of our spiritual warfare. It's part of being ready to go into battle with the devil. Our feet ready to share the gospel, the breastplate of righteousness on, the belt of truth. But look at verse 17. Sorry, verse 16. Shield of faith. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. I'm not diving into this. This is uh, somewhat the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, kind of coincide. But let me just say this, that historians have said that shields back in that day were not meant to be single shields. These shields were meant to be interlocked with others that had shields. And this is a symbol of the fact that our faith should be a faith that's communal. It should be a faith that, that is in a group. And we ought to have that shield of faith. And as I am standing with my shield of faith, there's a, a sister in Christ standing next to me with her shield of faith. And on the other side, there's a brother in Christ with his shield of faith and, and, and a shield of faith and a shield of faith and a shield of faith and a shield of faith. And before you know it, we have that shield of faith up. And where it speaks to me is when there's a time of weakness, and people don't have their spiritual armor and they're struggling spiritually and they're, and, they're, and they're in a bad way, hey, that shield of faith, that team effort of, hey, listen, we've got your back. Let's help you spiritually. Let's get you back on your feet. Hey, let's get your spiritual disciplines back to where God would have them to be. But we got you during this part. We've got you. We've got that shield up. That shield was not a singular shield meant to just take care of yourself, but it was, in fact, to help in a line of shields to protect a group of people. 
And when we band together in our faith as the local church body represents, we can effectively shield ourselves and others in spiritual warfare. Hey, how awesome would that be? How awesome would that be to know that your faith would help shield somebody else? Hey, moms and dads, how great is it to know that your faith, no, it can't save your children, but your faith can shield. Hey, how awesome is it to know that if we can band together in faith, hey, that that, that we can put up that shield of faith. We can put up that shield. And I don't know about you, there's probably times in all of our lives where we drop our shield and our faith wavers. We're going to be in the book of Habakkuk. We're going to talk about doubts. And we have that doubt and that shield of faith drops. And how awesome is it when that line, I drop out and that line just moves right together and takes up that shield. Listen, it's an important element that I'm not going to spend any more time on. But the shield of faith is a group effort. Verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. Other than the breastplate of righteousness... This helmet protects the most vulnerable parts. Your head, your brain. This helmet of salvation. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul calls it a helmet of the hope of salvation. A helmet of the hope of salvation. God's people are to put on that hope that they have in Christ. And by the way, that hope is not the the way that you're thinking. That is an eternal secure hope. That is a hope and not in a skeptical way. That is a hope in a no-so way. But to resist the devil, we must be assured of our salvation. Going to God on a daily basis and asking him to remind us of our salvation. Our hope is not in ourselves. Our hope is in Christ alone my hope is found and if you are trusting in him as your helmet of salvation you can say to the evil one in those times of of spiritual warfare when he is attacking you you could say listen you can do whatever you want to but my helmet of salvation is secure i remember the time before jesus christ came into my life and i know what salvation is because i've experienced it for myself i am alive in christ i am raised with christ i am redeemed i am forgiven i am a child of god that helmet of salvation you know what it is it's a knowledge it's it's just when you when you know it It's real. When you know your salvation rests in Jesus and Jesus alone, and it's an amazing thing. I'm alive in Christ. I am reconciled because of Christ. I'm made new by Him and His Spirit. Hey, we're going into battle. Put that helmet on. Put that helmet on. Hey, no, no spiritual casualties with the helmet on. Helmet on. But verse 17 tells us the sword of the Spirit. Now, this is where it gets good to me. Really good. Look at verse 17. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word 
of God. I love, this is my favorite, I would say, if I have a favorite. If you said you're going to battle, you got one weapon. Give me this one. Sword of the Spirit. Number one, I like it because it's on the offensive. The feet prepared for the presentation of the gospel. Okay, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. It's a weapon. It is on the offensive. It is not, it is not taking hits. It is, it is unleashing them through the Spirit and through His Word. But the reason I really love it is because the correlation there. God's Word and God's Spirit. God's Word and God's Spirit. Let me say this. They are equally sufficient for your life. God's Word and God's Spirit. You are not a part of a church this morning. I'm, I'm, I'm choosing my words. I don't want to... You are not a part of a church this morning that undervalues one or the other. Can I just say that? And I I will not, I'm not going to say much more than that. You are in a church that values God's word and God's spirit. And I will say, I know of certain belief philosophies. They're all about the spirit. Man, the spirit's moving. Man, the spirit is moving. I can just feel it. The spirit's moving. And in in the hour and a half that we had church, we never cracked the Bible open. We felt it. But we ain't got a clue what we felt. And we jump so high for Jesus and we land and we crash and we fall. But I'll be honest with you, I know some other churches on the flip side. Open your Bibles. This morning we're going to read this in Latin, English. Throw a little Spanish in there today. And now we're going to come up and we're going to recite a prayer together and when we get done with that if you look in your uh, bullets in your worship guide you'll know when to stand and then when to be seated and then we're going to read another segment of scripture and then and I'm not making fun of either one of those I'm saying there's no room for the Holy Spirit in this one over here and there was no room for God's word in this one over here and if we're going to be a biblical Christian Listen, Holy Spirit, raise me up, let me fly, let me raise my hands. I might dance up here one Sunday when we're worshiping. Caitlin, if you'd have sang another thing of that one, you might have got me out in the aisle today, I'm not sure. I'll do that, but I'm going to get up here and I'm going to faithfully preach God's word. Every time. Our teenagers went on a youth retreat these last two days. And the guy who preached at the youth retreat, I went to him Friday night after he preached. I said, I want to thank you for one thing. He said, what's that? I said, thank you for preaching to teenagers and using a ton of Bible. Thank you for doing that. Because you know what, if we're, not, if we're not careful, and it's not just with teenagers, it's anything that we do. If we're not careful, we can undervalue either God's word or God's spirit. We become so intellectual that we can't allow his spirit to move. Or we become so emotional that we don't ever connect to God's word. Hey, listen to me, the, 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 the Christian who is putting on the armor of God has the sword of the Spirit, and that sword is of the Holy Spirit, but that sword is God's Word. It is God's Word of the Holy Spirit. Listen, they never contradict each other. The Holy Spirit... What time is it? All right. The Holy Spirit is never going to tell you to do something that's outside of God's Word. Hey, listen, when someone says, hey, the Lord told me to... I, I, I get it, 
Holy Spirit leads me as well. But if, if whatever comes out after the Lord told me to is in contrary to this book, then that won't the Lord. I don't know who it was. It wasn't the Lord. If it's contrary to his word, it wasn't him. And I will say God gives us his written will right here. And in the areas that he does not cover in his written will, he covers through his Holy Spirit leading. They work together. They're not contrary. They work together. Hey, listen, the sword of this, my favorite, I told y'all, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. If we're going to fight the devil, man, we got to come at him with this sword. And this sword is God's word. And the power behind that sword is the Spirit of God. Listen, don't get one without the other. You get one without the other, man, you're going to jump for Jesus. And you're going to land looking like on the ground. If you get out of balance, you're going to be so academically wrapped up in the truths of an amazing book. But you're not going to be sensitive to that Holy Spirit that, act, that can activate its power in your life. Hey, we need both. We need both. And by God's grace, I, I hope our church will always stay sensitive to both. If the Holy Spirit wants to wreck my sermon because worship is flowing, wreck it. Wreck it. But if we get to the whole armor of God or we get to spiritual warfare and we want to deep dive in Scripture for a little while, we're going to deep dive. Put your scuba gear on. Here we go. We're going to do that. The sword of the Spirit. It's an offensive weapon. And when God's Word and God's Spirit work together, nothing can and will overtake it. By way of closing this morning, those of you that may have grown up in church or you have heard teaching on the armor of God like I have, you get to verse 17, and if you have your Bibles, look there, or your app or whatever, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That is typically how teaching that I've been around on the armor of God, it kind of concludes. Wrong answer. The sentence is not done. Okay, the sentence is not over. That is what we call a semicolon. Verse 18 continues the thought. Praying always. With all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And then Paul does then specifically ask prayer for himself. Paul concludes this teaching on the armor of God with, don't forget that your weapons become activated by your prayers listen put on that helmet of salvation put on that belt of truth get your feet ready put on the breastplate of righteousness get ready but pray always with all prayer and supplication pray always God in, in, in the New Testament, Jesus said that he, he, would be, he would want his house to be a house of prayer. And I believe the local church should be 
a house of prayer. I believe, even more importantly, your house should be a house of prayer. Listen, this morning, we can understand the truths of, of, the, of the armor of God. We can understand the elements of that. Like I said, we flew through this this morning, 30,000 feet. We dropped down a couple times and we kept our flight pattern going. Praying always. Praying always. You, personally, how is your prayer life? Is it, you know, what is it? God is, God is great, God is good. Let us thank Him for our food. By His hands are all our fed. Give us our daily bread. Let's eat. Is it, oh yeah, you know, you're right. We're out in public and like I think that there's people over there from the church. So like, let's pray. Or you do one of these like flyby prayers. You know, when you think like your server's coming. And you're like, dear Lord. Yeah, I'll take the chips and salsa right over here. Ready to get cheese dip? <laughs> We're good. <clears throat> I'm not talking about praying for your food, even though, I mean, we ought to be thankful for our food. I know some people who just get out of the way. When they get paid, they're like, dear Lord, thank you for all the food I'm going to buy this month and, and eat at restaurants. Get it out of the way. Get it done. I see some of y'all laughing because you probably, it's probably wow. you're, no, I'm talking about prayer. I'm talking about God no one else understands. But you do. God no one else understands the amount of spiritual warfare that I am going under right now. No one understands what the devil is doing in my heart and my life. There is a tension in my life that I cannot even verbally explain to other people. But God, I don't understand it. But you do. The best prayer that you can pray in times of spiritual warfare is a one-word prayer, and it is simply, help. Help. Praying always. Hey, before you take your problem to your mama or your cousin or your brother or your sister, have you taken that problem to your creator and your savior? And please, for the love of God, is that proper? I'm sorry. For the love of everything good, before you take your problems to your social media accounts, have you taken your problems to God? Hey, before you say, can we go to lunch? Have you said, God, can I spend some time? Hey, before you say, I need to talk to you. Have you said, I need to talk to you? Praying always. Hey, this spiritual warfare, it's real. It is legitimately happening. And we can put on the armor and we can be ready and we can understand and we can say, God, I claim today your righteousness. God, I wake up this morning, I claim your truth. God, I wake up this morning and my feet are ready. Give me an opportunity to share the gospel. God, I wake up this morning, I'm secure in your salvation. I know that you are my savior. And then we leave it there and we never talk to him in prayer again. 
No, every morning we ought to stand up and look ourselves in the mirror and go, I am a child of God. I am who you say I am. And today I will live with that belt of truth. I will stand for the truth today. Hey, I will put on that that helmet of salvation. Hey, I know, Jesus, that I'm your child. I know you're my Savior. Hey, listen, I'm going to put on that breastplate of righteousness. I'm going to live in a way today that shows the righteousness of God to everyone I come in contact with. My feet are ready. God, give me somebody today in my path that I can share the gospel with. And we don't leave it there. But we take everything we just prayed and the the declarations we made over our lives and we take it with us to work. And we say, okay, God, here's an opportunity for me to put this in action. Hey, God, here's a situation where I know the devil is fighting me and I'm going to put this element of truth into practice. Hey, God, here's a situation where I know that my family, extended family, there's drama, there's stuff going on. I don't know how to handle it, but God, here's an opportunity. Here's an opportunity. God, please show me the truth. God, please help me to live righteously in this moment. That is what it looks like. The armor of God. I'd hate to be old boy from the little giants going out and facing an NFL football team. But I'll be honest with you, spiritually speaking, I'd almost rather hate being Russell Crowe and Gladiator thinking I was the man. And just give me a little bit of armor and I'm good. No, the truth is, as Christians, we must understand ourselves for who we are. In and of ourselves, we are weak. In and of ourselves, we are in desperate need. And God has given us his armor. This armor is not too heavy that you can't bear it. This armor is not too weak that it can't sustain the darts. It's adequate armor. And that's what we use through prayer as we fight the devil in our spiritual warfare. But more so today if you're here and you have never comprehended that first piece of armor that truth the gospel jesus if you're here today and there's spiritual warfare going on in your life and you don't have a personal real relationship with jesus then you are doomed like you're not gonna win i hate to i hate to break it to you if you're trying to fight spiritual battles without Jesus you will lose and this morning if you are here today and you've never accepted the truth of the reality of Jesus Christ and the truth of the reality that you are never going to be enough and rested in the truth of the gospel the fact that Jesus Christ loves you so much That he paid the ultimate price. The wages or the penalty of sin is what? What is it? Death. Somebody's got to pay for it. Hey, you're a sinner. Somebody's got to pay for it. You want to pay for your sin? Anybody? Any volunteers? No. Wages of sin is death. Jesus paid it. Jesus paid it all. The rest of that hymn goes all to him 
Ohio? Hey, have we given ourselves fully, completely to Jesus Christ? Have we given our hearts, our eternities, our todays, our tomorrows? Have we given it to him? Do we know him as a real, personal Savior? This has been the preaching podcast from Keystone Church and Pastor Josh Cox. For more information about Keystone Church, visit keystonerdu.church. Please subscribe to hear future messages. Thank you.